I think that there's a lot of people that don't understand the hours put in to get into drag. But this is walking art right here. That's Dylan Pontiff. He's a drag queen who also goes by his stage name, Santana Pilar Andrews. It's not just me putting on a Mickey Mouse suit and walking out there and being a character. It takes time to look your your best. How long does it take you to do the makeup? It depends on how pretty I want to be. <laughs> so I want to say it took me about an hour to do my makeup for uh, Drag Queen Story Time. Dylan lives in Lafayette, Louisiana. Last August, he volunteered for Lafayette's first ever Drag Queen Story Time, which is exactly what it sounds like. Drag queens reading storybooks to groups of young children. The organizers gave Dylan a book called Jacob's New Dress. It's about a boy named Jacob who wants to wear a dress to school, but another boy in his class tells him that boys are not allowed to wear dresses. I I mean, I read it and I was like completely elated that there was a book that represented me. Since Drag Queen Storytime began in 2015, drag queens have been reading storybooks to children all over the country. In the beginning, the events mostly took place in LGBTQ-friendly cities like San Francisco and New York and were filled to capacity with eager children. But this wasn't San Francisco or New York. This was Lafayette. How would people feel about Santana Pilar Andrews telling children it was okay to be Jacob? Dylan had a guess. He'd seen something similar in the city once before, in college. UL actually had an LGBT minor, and they announced it, and we had so much pushback, and it was made such a thing in in Lafayette whenever that came out. So I kind of understood that this could possibly get that kind of a backlash, but I did not think it was going to go to the extent in which it did. I'm Matthew Billy, and you're listening to Bleeped, a podcast about censorship and the people who stand up to it. And a word of warning before we begin, this episode contains some adult language. In August of last year, when the Lafayette Public Library announced they were hosting the city's first ever drag queen story time, Amy Robinson knew there'd be a problem. And I knew right away. I knew right away we were going to have trouble with it. It was going to be a shit show. Amy's an activist and has lived in Lafayette for 23 years. She's witnessed many shit shows, and she knew how people would react to drag queen story time, with protests, picket signs, and angry words yelled into a megaphone. None of this was new to her, but with this event, something was different. There were children. That's how this whole thing started. Hey, what do we need to do to make sure the kids get in and out of the library safely without hearing any of this ruckus that we know that's going to go on? So Amy did what she always does when dealing with a shit show. She went into what she calls fix-it mode. First, she organized a Facebook group and invited all the LGBTQ allies she knew in Lafayette to join. We decided we were going to fundraise and we were going to kind of create a human barrier if we needed to. Every morning and every night, I'm programming messages to this group, this group of 1,200 people. Here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do tomorrow. And in the midst of all of this, the library's getting hammered. The threats are coming in. The ugliness has started. A local children's event is causing controversy across Lafayette. Once the Lafayette Public Library announced that they would be hosting a drag queen story time, negative comments flooded social media. Opposition brewed online with many calling for the event to be canceled. 
for a petition from an organization called Citizens for a New Louisiana is reaching nearly 1,600 signatures. 51 local pastors urged council members to get the council to vote on denouncing the event. In response to the pressure, two Lafayette City Council members drafted a resolution denouncing Drag Queen Storytime. The council scheduled a vote on the resolution at the next meeting. Amy went to this meeting. And I got there 45 minutes early, and I sat in the chamber with my prepared remarks. And I can hear the different ministers and just the different church heads going around, and they're talking to their people, telling them, oh, I'm going to say this, you're going to say that. We'll now move to public comment. We have 76 speakers signed up. Okay? So many people wanted the microphone, and even more were watching. There is standing room only out in the lobby. People are watching on the monitors. I have a six-year-old son. He recently witnessed a man polishing his nails at the nail shop, and he had so much confusion. He had so many questions. His heart appeared to be broken, actually. It is not the place of a drag queen or the public library to impose such a lifestyle. And do not be fooled into the idea that simply all they want to do is read to our children. To bring this thing, this evil, into my little grandchildren's minds. Having people wanting to use a public venue using tax dollars to promote a private agenda, that's simply not proper. This is about a government entity promoting for a particular agenda. Listening to this hatred around me, and it was so awful. I have never been through something so terrible. I just get emotional thinking about it. Then they called Amy up to speak. Amy Robinson, District 8. I had several pages of speech laid out for you this evening, but after listening to the people around me um, and the judgment that was going on for about 30 or 40 minutes, I'm a little sick to my stomach and Frankly, I'm a little disheartened from the Christians that were sitting around me. And the intolerance really has me a little discouraged this evening. And I just really couldn't say very much. And I finished saying what I had to say, and I left, and I was in tears. Dylan also went to the council meeting. I walk in, and I mean, full of people. There are people in prayer groups, in circles praying. There are people in line just looking super frustrated. What do you feel at that moment? I was sick to my stomach. It was like, this is stuff you see in a movie. Like, this is stuff you don't actually see happen. I was kind of in shock a little bit. Dylan arrived too late to get a seat inside the chamber, so he watched the speeches on a TV in the lobby. Finally, he was called to speak. Were you nervous when you were approaching the podium? Speaking in front of people does not make me nervous. It's what I'm saying is it not going to get across. That's what I get nervous about. Hi, my name is Dylan Pontiff. I'm actually going to be one of the drag queens reading for Drag Queen Storytime. So apparently to a lot of people in this room, I'm the big boogeyman. I am not there to push any kind of agenda. But I'm here to let you know that this event is something that's going to be very beautiful. And for the children and the people that support it are going to realize that this is going to be the grooming of the next generation. How is the crowd reacting to you? Dead silent until I said grooming the next generation. And then literally, it's like the room just all had this like sigh of disgust at the same time. And I really hope that this event is going to do that for not only just the children at this event, but children in the future. Thank you. 
When Dylan was done speaking, he walked back out to the lobby. And I mean, the eyes and the stares and the whispers, it was very overwhelming. You know, I I walked over to the people that I've been standing by and I let them know that I was ready to leave. I was just like, I don't feel like listening to about 10 more people call me a pedophile and call me, you know, disgusting is something that I want to be around. I was like, so I'm ready to go. And I wish luck to the other people that were speaking and for the event. And I left. The meeting lasted for seven hours, and surprisingly, at the end of it, the city council sided with Dylan and Amy and voted against the resolution. It was an important victory, but for Dylan, something more important happened that night. Before he spoke, he was just one of many people associated with Drag Queen Storytime. But after his speech, after he said grooming the next generation, he became the face of it. Someone found a picture of Dylan and posted it online. And said, this is the person trying to groom children. And that's really when I started receiving a lot of the heat. Dylan started getting Facebook messages, like six or seven per day, calling him all sorts of things. The things that they were calling me is something that's like just so even worse than calling someone a faggot. Like you were calling me a pedophile. There's that initial feeling in your gut that you don't feel good. It's that initial, like, punch in your face. I just was getting it multiple times at once. But then it would just be like a, don't let it bother you. Like, boom, click, delete. But then Dylan received something he couldn't just delete. Someone made a video. This is going to be the grooming of the next generation. This is going to be the grooming of the next generation. I'm surprised they didn't, like, edit fire and put horns on me and deepen my voice and made me sound demonic. Grooming children. Like, you know, like some—I mean, it's it's very dramatic what they put on YouTube, for sure. Soon, conservative commentators picked up on the story, and they didn't find it as funny. No one grows up being this sort of sexual deviant. I'm sorry to say they've been groomed because of some sort of exposure, desensitization, or abuse. This group is coming for our children now. Now they're, they want to groom our children into their unhealthy lifestyle. He said, this is grooming of the next generation. From the horse's mouth, guys. He knows what he's doing. How does that make you feel when people twist your words like that? Oh, my God. It was, there's, a, there's a true feeling of anger, which I called the version of pissed off. They take that one baby sentence out of everything that I said and made it into this pedophile, just inappropriate version of what I meant. Dylan developed thick skin growing up in the South. But reading message after message, telling him it's wrong for drag queens to read to children, he started to question himself. Should he read Jacob's New Dress? I actually had a little bit of a moment where I was just like, am I okay with reading this in front of children? Like, it's all those lessons that were taught at a young age in the South that I started hearing those voices in my head tell me, this is not appropriate for children. And I kept on telling myself, why am I thinking this? Because at a moment in time, I was a child and I I was this person. So why is it not appropriate to show other children? And I got out of my head, I'm not telling little boys to put on dresses and that it's that 
that's what they should do. I'm telling little boys and little girls that you're going to meet a Jacob one time in your life, or you may be a Jacob at one point in your life. And this book deserves to be read so we know how it feels to be him. After the resolution failed, Drag Queen Storytime's opposition had one more trick up their sleeve. They filed a lawsuit against the library, claiming that the event was proselytizing an alternative lifestyle to minors. The lawsuit caught the library's attention, and they moved the event somewhere else. The library had moved the Drag Queen Storytime from the library to SLCC, which is our local um, community college. There were fears of safety. They needed more room. All the while, we go over to SLCC. We look at the space. Okay, we can do this too. Like, the group is ready to make the human barricade wherever we need to be. So we're keeping up the whole time. We've got this under control. Amy bought balloons to use as part of the barricade. She bought poster-making supplies so everyone can make signs with positive messages. She posted instructions into the Facebook group. They knew the plan. Everyone was mobilized. But then... A day or two before Drag Queen Storytime is due to happen, the library cancels the event. But in a statement today, SLCC acknowledged security concerns, including information provided to the college by Lafayette Police. That included individual and organized plans to protest on a large scale. Oh, I was, like, completely shocked. I just did not understand, like, protests have been held on college campuses, I mean, for decades. So it's like, why all of a sudden this protest is such an issue? It is devastating for thousands of people in our community that were watching this saga play out, for the LGBTQ plus community, for people that were planning on going, for the support group that was planning on being there to be the barricade. Amy was heartbroken, but she predicted this, right? She knew it would be a shit show. So once again, she did what she always did. She went into fix-it mode. And I decide that it is time for what I refer to as a rogue drag queen story time. They booked the library's public meeting room as private citizens and didn't tell the library the reason they booked it. Then they started covertly inviting people to the event. We went back months and we scoured posts for people that were definitely going to the library-sponsored event. And we sent out private invitations through Eventbrite. And we scheduled it for, I think it was the first weekend of December. Amy started working out the details. I believe you go big or go home. So I didn't have just one drag queen reading. It wasn't just Dylan. It wasn't just Santana, Pilar, Andrews. We had three drag queens reading. And it was Christmas. So we had a huge Christmas tree. We had gifts for the children. I mean, it was amazing. It it was an amazing event. They had decorations. They had games. Lots of parents RSVP'd. Everything was ready. Until... The library director found out The lawsuit was still happening, and the library was worried that holding the event would put them at risk legally, so they wanted it canceled. And she told us that if we showed up the next day to have our story time, that we would be met with police presence. If this event had not involved children, we would have been at the library the next day, but I could not imagine children 
being at a place that they consider safe, like the library, and being traumatized with police presence. I literally was, like, putting on makeup, and I got the text that it was canceled. I start wiping stuff off. I'm just like, what is going on? What is the deal? So I'm wiping off my makeup in the intent of going to the library and cussing someone out. Because I'm just on four different kinds of pissed off. But then Amy got another phone call from the library. They'd been discussing the situation with their lawyers, and apparently the library had no legal basis for calling the police and stopping the event. And she tells us, oh, we can't do that. We can't stop you from having your event without a court order. So go ahead and have your event. Now, this is an hour from when the event would have started. And then I get a message. Hey, we're going to go ahead. We're going to move it two hours later. Continue to get ready. And I'm like, what? So I get on the phone and I call them. I was like, we're not doing this. I was like, I'm not doing this. I was like, I'm done. And I'm not done because of I don't want to do this. I'm done because you're not about to call all these people that are coming to this event and tell them that it's two hours later. And then two hours later is going to get canceled again. I'm not doing this. And I was well intent after that day that I was done. Like I was completely over it. But Amy wasn't completely over it. She was in fix-it mode. She drove over to the library to reschedule the story time. But when she got there, she discovered that booking the room again wouldn't be so easy. The library now required a signed waiver from everyone who booked their meeting space. The language in the waiver was simple. No drag queen story time. That's where shit gets real, real. And that's where First Amendment rights start getting violated. And that's where Amy picks up the phone and calls the ACLU. They were immediately interested. They knew immediately that we had a first rights violation um, on our hands. The ACLU filed a lawsuit, and Amy was determined to get a hearing ASAP. She kept pushing the judge to schedule the court date. And after weeks of trying, Amy finally got her hearing. But the judge was, well... And he says, why is this so important? I was quiet for a minute, and... I said, can I speak freely? And he said, yes, as long as you don't curse. And I said, because to violate any civil right for any amount of time for any group of people is unacceptable. And he said, so even if I rule on this case by Friday, and I was quiet again for a minute, and I think the people behind me or people that didn't know me well thought that I was maybe considering this as an offer, maybe to say, sure, that's fine, Friday's fine. It was not fine. People who knew me well knew that I was trying to formulate an answer that didn't involve what the fuck kind of answer is that, like that no. Amy took a deep breath. So I say to him, again, again, to violate any civil right for any amount of people for any amount of time is unacceptable. And he said, all right, looks like we have a problem. And so he pulls all of the attorneys to the back. He comes back. He denies our motion. Amy was upset, but she didn't get to hear what the judge said to her lawyers in the back room. Then they're like, okay, we it's a win. And I said, well, he just denied our motion to intervene. How is that a win? And she said, because he told the library they have to immediately stop using the waiver. Lafayette Public Library officials today agreed to lift a ban on patrons organizing Drag Queen Storytime events. 
So we left court and went immediately to the library, of course, to reserve a room for Drag Queen Storytime. Amy booked the room again for early February. Then she reached out to Dylan to see if he'd be a reader. Dylan said he was over it, but the lawsuit had taken a while. So that really gave me enough time to, like, simmer down from my anger of the the last time we tried to plan it and reevaluate why I wanted to do it to begin with. And then that's when the lady sent me the voice message around that time. Dylan had become accustomed to receiving insulting Facebook messages. But all of those were just words on a screen. This woman actually sent a recording of her voice. All right, I didn't find you on any other social media because I wanted you to hear my voice when I said this. You're the drag queen that's running around grooming children. Listen, you do what rocks your boat, but when it comes to fucking up children, you can go suck a fucking dick. All right? If you want to suck dick on your free time and dress up like a woman like you've got a vagina in your own fucking home, that's fine. But you're not going to poison little kids with your mental fucking illness. And if you don't believe that it's a mental illness, go talk to any psychiatrist. You are not going to feed it into these little ones because I've been to Louisiana, honey, and I have no problems going back. I won't lie, I laughed at it first. I took it as very much a joke. But then whenever you listen to it the second time and the third time, and then you just kind of feel like this that nasty feeling in the pit of your stomach that someone went out of their way to not only just negatively talk about you, but to physically threaten you. To be able to hear someone's voice and the intent and the tone in their voice, it just kind of makes you feel a little isolated and a little alone. That's why immediately whenever I get that feeling, like, you know, I went to my roommate and I was like, listen to this. Like Dylan, his roommate laughed the first time he listened. But seeing Dylan's face now, he stopped laughing. He was just like, so how you feeling about this? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. And he was like, well, why all of a sudden you want to change your mind? And like, you know, like I went down the line of everything that was happening and everything that was said. And then kind of like using this as like the exclamation point at the end of this very long paragraph that seemed to be yelling at me. I was just like, is it even worth it? And he was just like, well, why are you doing it? And, you know, I listed those reasons. I want to be a positive voice for kids to understand that being different is not necessarily bad and being not normal is not necessarily meaning that you're not great. I was like, that's what I want. And he was just like, do you still want that even after this, after this voice message? And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, it sounds like you still have a reason to do it. And then kind of after that, I was like, you know what? You're right. So Dylan was in, and he asked two of his castmates to read alongside him. Like Amy said, go big or go home. The story hour was scheduled for February, so her Facebook group decided on a Valentine's Day theme. They planned games in a crafts table. Again, they sent out private invitations through Eventbrite, and many parents RSVP'd. Six Lafayette police officers were assigned to protect everyone. Finally, the day arrived. It was showtime. I pretty much woke up and checked my phone to see if it was still going on. The people that helped organize it were like, nope, we're still good. See you in a few. Dylan, or rather Santana Pilar Andrews, was going in full drag. She spent an hour applying her makeup, 
Then she put on her dress and her heels. My roommate was driving me to the event, so I didn't have to drive in heels because it's honestly a whole new type of challenge. I wouldn't (laughs) suggest anyone do that. So Santana hopped in the passenger seat, and they started to drive over. My friend's like, you're going to be fine. I was just like, I know, but like, this is, you know, this is where the fought began. And it's just like, I just can't believe that it's actually going to happen now. We pull up. My roommate just like, you stay right here. I'm going to go meet up with the police officer. I'm going to bring him to the car. After a few minutes, Santana's roommate came back with a police officer. We start to walk to the library. Shockingly, I don't see protesters. There's no one really outside. And I was brought to the room, which where we're doing the reading. And I was like, you know, greeted with parents that were waiting. A few kids were there. The parents started introducing their children. You get the ones that are super shy to walk up to you. You get the ones that are immediately like run up to you and tell you hi. Getting asked of which Disney princess I am. And I was like, oh, they didn't make a movie for me yet. That's that's coming. Uh, not sure if the 2020 is ready for this type of Disney princess, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. After greeting a few kids and taking a few photos, Santana's roommate came over. He's like, there's protesters outside. And I was just like, oh, wow. And I was like, is it a lot? He's like, yeah, it's a good bit. People gathered in front of the library during the event to protest in prayer. There were seemed to be like two different groups. There was a non-denominational group that did a lot of praying through a megaphone. The other group was a Catholic group there. Some of the Catholic protesters brought bagpipes with them and wore kilts. One of the police officers noticed the kilts. He said, they're wearing skirts. Did they see the irony in this? They're wearing skirts. And I was like, they probably don't. The protesters weren't allowed on the library property, so they gathered across the street in the CVS parking lot. Other than making some noise, they didn't try to interfere with the story hour. Well, except for one lady. They thought, okay, we're going to send the innocent little old lady in and she'll be able to go sneak in and do what? I don't know. As this lady comes up, they ask her, do you have your Eventbrite ticket? And she's like, well, I'm just coming in. And they're like, you're not coming in. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? Call the cops on me? And they're like, pretty much, if you don't have a ticket, you're not getting in here. And the police escorted this little lady. Who in your license plate dress up? Well, that's what this book is exactly about. Then the reading began. Jacob ran to join Emily in the dress-up corner. Emily slid into a shiny yellow dress while Jacob wiggled into a sparkly pink one. How did the children react to Jacob's new dress? I think that they took it in really well. I just think that everyone just enjoyed the stories and enjoyed the pictures and pretty much what any kind of kid's reading would be like. Christopher, I made this dress, and I'm proud of it, and I'm going to wear it. And you want to know what else? He tagged Christopher. You're it. Jacob sprinted across the playground and his dress spreading like wings. And that's Jacob's new dress. After all three drag queens finished reading, Santana had one more thing to say to the parents. I said, the true heroes of today is not me or anyone that's fought for Drag Queen Story Time. It's you, the parents, for bringing your kids here and not necessarily wanting your kids to see the world in black and white, but wanting them to see it in color. And you're the real superheroes of today. How, how did those parents respond to you? I mean, they stood up and cheered. Everybody stand up. Let's do it. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. We're going to play a game that means killing. 
After the reading, Santana and her two castmates did crafts with the children, played games, and took photos. They did a few interviews with local TV news networks. When it was over, the police escorted the drag queens back to their cars. Santana's roommate drove her home. She went inside and took off her heels, her dress, and her makeup. Then finally, sat down on the couch and took a deep breath. Oh, it's huge feeling of relief. It was almost like running a marathon and realizing that you did it and you made it to the end of it. It was very much like that, like just like the collapse of like, God, it's over. <sighs> and it was just a great sign of relief. And then just like the, the warm, fuzzy feelings of like, hopefully, you know, at least 30 kids in the Lafayette area are going to grow up to be better people now. After cleaning up the library, Amy went home too. For once, a drag queen story time didn't turn into a shit show. There was nothing to fix. Amy could relax. Or could she? We decided that we wanted to do another one, and we, we just kind of had a feeling something was, they, they were going to try to stop us. When Amy tried to book the room again, she found out that the library board of directors recently passed a new rule. All groups using library spaces had to, A, provide an insurance policy, and B, pay for their own security. We keep running into roadblocks, and until I can pick up the phone, schedule a room as a private citizen with no caveats, invoices, and ridiculousness, we're still being, for lack of a better word, censored. Lafayette's Drag Queen Storytime was the first to become controversial, but it was not the last. Recently, 200 people protested a story hour in Spokane, Washington. A library director in Greenville, South Carolina, lost their job. Another librarian was assaulted in Maryland. A Pittsburgh story hour was canceled after violent threats were made on Reddit. And people continue to quote Dylan's Grooming the Next Generation line. I should also point out that Lafayette's event was called Drag Queen Story Time, but many others are called Drag Queen Story Hour. It changes depending on who hosts it and their affiliation with the Umbrella Organization, based in New York. Special thanks to everyone we didn't get to include in the show, but played a crucial role in making the story happen. Matthew Humphreys, Hannah Robin Bonai, Brad Parfait, and the two drag queens who read alongside Santana Pilar Andrews, Roxy C. Black, and Kenley Andrews. And also a special thanks to Jonathan Hamill, who runs the Drag Queen Story Hour organization in New York. This episode was produced by me, Matthew Billy. Rebecca Seidel was the editor. Austin Doré recorded the interviews. The theme music was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Huge thanks to Dylan Pontiff and Amy Robinson for being our guests. Be sure to subscribe to Bleeped on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter or visit our website, bleep.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>